Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 26th of May, 2022. Happy, what the hell, Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. It's almost Friday, and it's a holiday weekend, so I'm already feeling it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Anyway, I appreciate the use of your ears. Thank you, and the use of your mouth for uh, spreading the word and telling friends and grabbing their phones and saying, you've got to subscribe to this podcast and just getting them to subscribe to it and then say, you've got to listen to it. So I thank you all for that. All right, I want to get to this, you know, just this freaking Beto O'Rourke stuff is so ridiculous. What kind of a, this is definitely going to feature in the, the curse program. The, uh, the spectacle. Is he no decency? Do then you go? Do Democrats have no decency? Do any of them have any? De- no, the answer is no. They don't have any decency. That's it. Agenda Uber all is in its original German, on purpose because it's appropriate. God, what a scum! Everybody, the President of the United States, is a hack who could not com- comfort anybody under any circumstances. He makes everything about himself and his agenda. And the guy doesn't believe in a damn thing except his own power, his own glory. It's a special place in hell for all of these people. Anyway, they'll get an earful on the Week in F and Review this Saturday at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Thanks to everybody who goes there. Don't forget to uh, enter to win the signed books there. The contest this week, Wilford Riley versus Rich Lowry and Yuval Levin. It's a two against one. Check it out. And uh, thank you for that. All right, I want to get started on this stuff because I got I got some thoughts. We have a lot of ground to uh, cover today, a lot going on, and we've got to start, of course, talking about the horrible act of terrorism down in Texas, 19 dead as of this moment. Let's hope the number doesn't go up, but uh, you never know. Things are still a little bit fuzzy. It's, I'm not going to name the killer. But uh, it's another one of those situations where you're sitting there and, you know, we can talk about the tragedy itself, I suppose, if you really want to. But Nuvalde, Texas, the um, it was another one of those telegraphed punches. It was another one of those things that if people just paid attention and there's no way people didn't pay attention, there's no way people didn't notice this stuff. That somebody could have said something. Somebody should have said something. But did they say something? No, they didn't. If they did, did the authorities pay attention? No. The FBI is really busy investigating whether or not there are domestic terrorists going to school board meetings across the country and being mean to school board members who are trying to groom their children into unspeakable acts of evil. But... They can't be bothered by a dude who posts pictures and threats of himself and pictures with guns and everything. Can't be bothered with that until afterwards. Now, yes, hindsight is 2020. It absolutely is 2020. But there's a lot of foresight that is missed in what becomes hindsight. There's a lot of opportunities to prevent horrible things from happening if people just spoke up. If people just said, no, what the hell? There's something wrong with this guy. If you're posting pictures of yourself with guns all over the place on social media and saying, I'm going to get everybody who's ever wronged me, that might be worth noting to somebody. Now, nine times out of ten, it's not going to amount to anything. That's fine. Isn't it better to err on that side without having to infringe on the rights of every American? There are 330 million Americans in this country, and every year, a small percentage of them do something horrible, do something irreversible, do something stupid. 
Do we all need to have our rights stripped from us or curtailed because of that? Absolutely not. Are there things we could do to prevent this? Yes. This guy clearly had mental problems. The guy up in Buffalo clearly had mental problems. The people who knew both of them knew that this person had mental problems. The Daily Beast reported that this monster worked at a Wendy's. Not in and of itself a sign of something horrible and wrong, but said a co-worker described him as having an aggressive streak. Quote, he would be very rude toward the girls sometimes. And one of the cooks threatening them by asking them, do you know who I am? And he would also send inappropriate texts to the ladies. At the park, there'd be videos of him trying to fight people with boxing gloves. He'd take them around with him. Seems like somebody dropped the ball on this guy. Obviously has mental problems based on what he did, or he's evil, which is a mental problem in and of itself. Why must everyone's rights be curtailed because of it. It's fine. If you want to make that case, you're free to make that case. And if you're able to convince a majority in both houses of Congress and uh, get a law passed that's and it stands up to constitutional scrutiny, congratulations to you. But will it have saved lives? This should be the unit of measure by which everything in these circumstances is measured. And it is, if those things were in place, would it have prevented what happened? The answer is no. The answer is no. The answer is 99 times out of 10 no. I suppose there's probably a rare exception occasionally where the answer is yes, but the answer is largely no. And it's important to note that the answer is no. Now, if you want to keep trying, that's fine. You want to come up with something that will do it, that's fine. Everybody, I think, would be in favor of that. But it is not acceptable to just go, well, these laws would not have made a difference. If this were in place, this would not have prevented it, would not have stopped it, would not have done it, it would not have made a difference at all. But we should do it anyway. That's when you enter into opportunism. That's when you enter into grave dancing. That's when you enter into exploitation. And sadly, that's where Democrats are every single time that something like this happens. They have the solution. They don't know what the problem is. They have the solution. The real solution would be to expand mental health in this country to seriously look at changing how we treat mental health in the United States of America, taking that seriously. But, you know, it's not that popular. It doesn't make people who will vote for Democrats feel good. The people who will vote for Democrats have been groomed to the point that they believe the only way to... It's the gun's fault. They believe it's the gun's fault. They blame the inanimate object for the acts of the monster. No, it's not the building's fault that Godzilla knocked it down. The building was just there. Godzilla came along and knocked it down. It was not the World Trade Center's fault that Al-Qaeda knocked it down. Al-Qaeda did that. It's not the gun's fault It's the monster, it's the human being wielding it who presents the problem. The left doesn't want to hear that. That doesn't help the left because they don't want to actually do anything to prevent this. They want to curtail rights. They don't want you to be able to exercise your Second Amendment right. They don't want you to have a Second Amendment. Amendment right. They're quite clear about this. They're rather unambiguous about the whole thing. They don't think it should exist. Period. End of story. To which I say, that's fine. You can hold that belief. You can harbor resentment towards the Second Amendment all you want. You're absolutely free to. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. You don't get to overrule it. You can repeal it. And I encourage 
these leftists to try to repeal it. Maybe they'll succeed. That's the way our constitutional republic is set up. It's highly doubtful they'll succeed, but maybe they will. But you don't get to ignore it. You don't get to ride roughshod over it, and you don't get to declare everybody guilty for the acts of some individuals. Yet that's exactly what these people do. They do it all the time. Well, they do it under they do it all the time under certain circumstances, right? The Buffalo shooter was a white guy. He was a racist white guy, a paranoid schizophrenic lunatic monster whose uh, mental disorders manifested themselves in racism. So that was white people. That was white supremacy. That was all white people. That was the Dem- that was the Democrats pushing that. That's what basically what they said. The shooter down in Texas is a Hispanic kid. Yeah, um, you don't hear much about that. The white supremacy argument went away. It wasn't the guns' fault up in Buffalo. They didn't even really talk about gun control up there. It was a different part of their agenda they were using to feed that. It was about evil racism, and therefore uh, all Republicans are racist. Down in Texas, it's about the gun. It's weird how that changed so dramatically, isn't it? Horrible, horrible things happen for the same reason, mental problems. They say there's a report that uh, this kid was bullied as a ch- because he was poor. And there's some reports that he might have been trans or whatever, which would explain maybe the... Uh, the hostility toward women that his co-workers have said towards the girls who work there. We don't know. We don't know. But we can count on finding out not mattering. And that's perhaps one of the saddest things about this is just like the pandemic, we had an opportunity to really learn something about best practices, to follow the real data, for when the next pandemic hits, because there will be a next pandemic. And instead, it was agenda uber alles. The real data was ignored. The real science was ignored. And you had these people making political declarations, wrapping themselves in science, insulating themselves in the name of science to protect their wrongness and to protect their agenda. President Fauci was on every side of every issue, depending on what was necessary at the moment to best help him and what he wanted to be, not what was. Democrats, the same way. Democratic governors across the country, the exact same way. And so we ended up with perverted data. We ended up with uh, counting anybody who had a sniffle. Didn't matter if they tested positive for COVID-19, if they had a sniffle and they passed away, even though they may have died in a motorcycle accident, fallen off a ladder, been shot, had cancer, whatever it is. They were dying. They died with COVID. They died of COVID. They probably died with COVID. Therefore, they died of COVID. They might have died with COVID. Therefore, they died with COVID. And so you end up with this worthless pile of data because it was politicized. These horrible attacks, we know the common denominator is mental illness. But mental illness hasn't been a drum that the Democrats have been beating for 50 years. Mental illness isn't something that Democrats campaign against. Hell, a lot of Democrats are mentally ill to one degree or another. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result. That describes the Democrat voter base. Look at Baltimore. Look at Detroit. Look at Chicago. When's the last time they tried anything other than Democrats? How has that blind loyalty worked out for them? Not very good. So you end up in a situation where the real solution isn't the political solution. And the political solution isn't going anywhere. So what do they do? Barack Obama was out there with a tweet thread about how millions of parents are putting their children to bed at night, singing them lullabies and doing this, that, and the other thing terrified about what's going yeah you know if you really cared about this stuff barry you had 
your first half of your first term with a filibuster-proof majority in the United States Senate, you could have passed anything you wanted. You didn't try. You didn't even try. You you didn't have to, oh, you got to get public sentiment behind. No, you didn't even try. You could have passed anything you wanted. You focused instead on Obamacare. Everything else be damned. So don't tell me you care about this stuff. You don't care about this stuff. You could have done all of it if you really wanted to. But if you did all of it and it didn't make a difference, well, how do you run for re-election on that? If you did the immigration thing, how do you run on promising to fix immigration? If you handled your gun issue and you said, well, this is going to be the, the way to solve the gun problem and it doesn't work, how do you run for re-election on that? You don't get rewarded with re-election for having done something. Elections are always about what you're going to do. Democrats know this, and if they had done, quote-unquote, the solutions that they'd offered had become law, then there wouldn't be a whole lot of reason to vote for them. You don't go, well, I like the way that they did that thing two years ago, so I'm going to vote for them as a reward, even though what they're proposing going forward is terrible. It's not how elections work. They want the issue. They want the issue so they can appear on Morning Joe, like Chris Murphy from Connecticut. Talk about how awful this country is. They want the issue so they can tweet about it to their followers, like Eric Swalwell. His four-year-old is back talking about, did the guy from Buffalo go down to Texas? Anybody believe that? My real question for Eric Swalwell is, if your kid's watching this much news, has your kid heard about how you were uh, sleeping with Fang Fang, the Chinese spy? Or do you only show your kid news, your four-year-old news, when children or elder, when human beings are killed? Because if that's the case, then shouldn't your kid be worried about Russia coming over here? If you're watching news about Ukraine? Of course, there's no such thing as that. His kid isn't watching the news. No four-year-old watches the news. Anything in a four-year-old's head was put there, likely by you. But it's... Uh, It's just gross exploitation all around. There is no desire, no push to actually address the real problems, which is mental health in this country. We need to be able to institutionalize people. (laughs) Not all people, not a lot of people, but the people who need to be institutionalized. We need to get mental help for those people. The left doesn't want that. They don't want criminals in prison, which leads to more crime, and they don't want people with mental problems in therapy and institutions and inpatient treatment centers because that's a good percentage of their voting base. Lather, rinse, repeat. Rather than address the problem, they want to curtail your rights, which every time they've done it hasn't made a damn bit of difference. Detecting a pattern? Maybe we're all mentally ill because there is something about doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, isn't there? That's kind of, you know, actually... Now that I think about it, I, I say we do not believe in collective guilt as a society, but in reality, we the left does believe in collective guilt. Think about that for a second. The Buffalo shooter, white kid, kills black people. It was white supremacy. It was all, everybody, anybody who doesn't have Ibram X. Kendi's book, Henry Rogers, or that's his real name, or uh, Robin DiAngelo's White Fragility. If you don't have those books tattooed, passages of those books tattooed on your body somewhere, you are responsible. White supremacy was not the person who did it, not the monster who did it. White supremacy is responsible. It's collective guilt. Now, it's different when it goes down to Texas because the shooter was Hispanic. So it's the gun's fault, and therefore the collective guilt balloons out to all gun owners, Second Amendment enthusiasts, hunters, sports shooters, whatever it is, they're guilty. They have to be punished. No, absolutely not. That's not how this country works. It's not how this country is supposed to work, actually. It's how this country is sadly works when Democrats are in charge or even when Democrats aren't in charge. But that's what they want. It just, it bothers me, this idea of collective guilt. But of course, the people who are into collectivism would be the ones who are advancing collective guilt. There are, uh, of course, when you have something horrible 
happen, there is no shortage of horrible people desperately trying to exploit it. Desperately trying to exploit I guarantee you right now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that CNN is hoping to put together a town hall meeting about what happened down in Texas. They're going to have Beto O'Rourke because he's running for governor down there as a Democrat. They'll have Beto out there. They will do what they did in Parkland after in Florida after Parkland, where they screen the parents. They don't tell you this. They screen the participants. They screen the victims' family members to find those who are very interested in advancing a left wing agenda. That's what they do, and they create them. the uh, The David Hogs of the world. For every David Hogg out there, there is a Kyle Kashup who sit there and say, no, gun control isn't the solution. We have to find a better solution. Well, David Hogg gets into Harvard and gets into all of these uh, wonderful parties and all these wonderful things. And uh, other kids who speak out end up losing their acceptance to college, to the college of their choice. Why? Because they think wrong. Seriously, the Marjorie Stone that 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 legitimate legitimately happened. <laughs> it legitimately happened. He went and spoke out. Kyle Kashup did, and he ended up losing his uh, admission. Invited now, David Hogg gets into Harvard with nothing for what end? To what end? Because. Why? Nothing. No reason. He was a left-winger. He's anti-gun. Therefore, you can come to Harvard, of course. He can't string together a coherent sentence if you read his tweets, his um, <laughs> his uh, he's illiterate. There's no other way to, uh, to explain it. And still... He actually Kyle Kashif wasn't accepted to Harvard and then booted out of Harvard. That's the story. I was trying to look it up. That's how sick these people are. That's how sick the left is. CNN will try to find all the David Hogs they can, all of the uh, parents who are for gun control, for stripping other Americans who did nothing of their rights because a monster did something terrible, and they will highlight them. They will ignore the rest of them. They will ignore the rest of them because they are inconvenient. Parkland, again, they did the same thing with parents. They elevated the parents out there who were in favor of gun control. Remember Andrew Pollack? Probably not. Why? Because he recognized that the murder of his daughter, Meadow, was not anybody's fault except for the person who did it. He did not believe in collective guilt. He did not believe in curtailing the rights of others. So he has been largely ignored. He has been relegated to, and this is, you really want to get down to the sickness in society. There is the conservative America and there is the liberal America where certain parents and certain victims exist in both or in either, but not in both. Andrew Pollack exists. It, there's, there's room for both, by the way. If your child was murdered or somebody you loved was murdered, I would have, I understand exactly why you come to the conclusions that you do if you want to uh, seize guns, if you want to get rid of, I get it. You're in an emotion. It's, it's something that will be with you forever and you want to lash out at anything and everything and try to protect and prevent this from ever happening again and protect the rest of your lives. I get it. I get it all. And I do not blame you. I don't acquiesce. I won't acquiesce to you. I won't give you a free pass and say, go ahead, trample on my rights because something horrible happened to you. But I will not ridicule you personally for having that. I understand why you have those feelings, why you have those thoughts. But first of all, the, the parents who believe that would never go on Fox, and I don't know that Fox would have them on. 
I know that MSNBC would never have Andrew Pollack on or would rarely have Andrew. Maybe Morning Joe might have him on, but they wouldn't allow him to speak much. The Daily Wire is reporting Andrew Pollack, who lost his daughter Meadow in the horrific 2018 Parkland, Florida shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, reacted to the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, with advice to prevent future school shootings. Pollock, the author of Why Meadow Died, The People and Policies That Created the Parkland Shooter and Endangered America's Students, has advocated for a single point of entry in armed guards for schools since the 2018 shooting. Seems like that would make sense if that's what you if you really wanted to protect the children. On Tuesday night, Pollock tweeted, quote, armed guard, single point of entry, teacher training. We send out billions to other countries all the time. Why not fund school safety in America? We just sent 40 billion dollars to Ukraine. There were what was it, 10 or 20 Republicans in the Senate who said no and uh, some reason the number 57 comes to mind of the number of republicans in the house of representatives who said no otherwise every republican and every or every other republican and all democrats voted yes 40 billion dollars to ukraine here you go please take the money zelensky what about protecting kids in this country ukraine is such a horrible, disastrous war zone that pretty much every politician around the world has been able to fly there and have midday meetings out in public with the president of Ukraine. I don't that doesn't happen very often in war zones, right? I don't remember it happening in war zones ever. But here we are. Every world leader except for Joe Biden so far have gone to Ukraine. He'll probably go over there now and uh, deliver like a big Ed McMahon-sized check for $40 billion. But you don't, you don't see that often in war zones where the politicians can just go marching over there and have photo ops outside in the midst of an active war zone. But that's worth $40 billion. I'm not denying, I'm not a war denier that things aren't going... But, I mean, let's be honest about what's going on over there. That at best seems like a stalemate. That gets $40 billion, yet instead of spending the money that is necessary, which would be a lot less than $40 billion, to secure our schools, you get your rights must be curtailed. Your rights must be. You did nothing wrong, except for you think wrong and you vote wrong. Your rights must be curtailed. I'm going to take a hard pass on that every single time. I just am. My guns have not killed anybody. Your guns have not killed anybody. People are killed. More people are killed in car accidents. Did your car kill somebody? Should we ban cars? Should we make them all like bumper cars? Do we, do we have to put breathalyzers in every car because some people drive drunk? There are people, Democrats in particular, who do want to do that. Add another $1,000 to the price of a car, but it's in the name of safety. How don't we restrict the speed of cars to about three miles per hour. That way, nobody will get hurt, or very few people will get hurt. Some people will still find a way to get hurt. We can do all of these things. Life comes with risks, and we have to accept those risks. But we can mitigate those risks as best we can. Andrew Pollack is correct. If you really want to secure schools, you could spend some money on hardening their security. Do you want, ideally, you wouldn't want children going to a school that is, you know, like a little bit like a prison or what have you. But wouldn't you take that over the other option? I think you would. I would. By the way, Ruby, who sends me all sorts of great stuff every day, sent me a story about uh, the Washington Post. This is from today. Remembering the deadliest school shooting massacre in U.S. history. It happened in my home state of Michigan. The spring morning in 1927 could not have been more beautiful, one of the students would later recall. The Bath Consolidated School just outside East Lansing, Michigan, was holding final exams. But before the morning bell rang on May 18, 1927, children ran and played outside. Pearls of laughter could be heard. Later that morning, once the students had been in there, 
They settled in their schools. An explosion brought walls and ceilings down. The school had been dynamited by an angry school board member. The school ma- But no one knew that yet. The only thing certain was that children and educators were hurt and others were dead or dying. The school massacre, 1927. Monsters have always been with us. Always been with us. We don't cater to them. We don't kowtow to them or we shouldn't. But if you wanted to increase school security, didn't I tell you a couple of weeks ago about schools in Michigan and schools in other states that were finding new and creative ways to spend their COVID relief money? Remember that story? The COVID relief. Oh, my goodness. They, uh, they've got hundreds of millions of dollars that they need to spend on it or lose. And so they're asking the state and then asking the federal government for permission to build playgrounds and to update sports facilities and and build a, a latte center or whatever it was. In this, all of these things that they want to do. Well, it seems like maybe they could use that money instead of building an espresso machine with somebody staffing it to to make espressos for children. Maybe they could use that on security. The idea of a single point of entry through which you know people have to pass that would certainly go along wouldn't nothing would solve the problem. Evil will find a way one way or another, but if you really wanted to cut down on ninety percent of the problem, that would do it. That would definitely do it. Teacher training and firearms. If you trust the children, the teachers to teach the children, and if you trust them to talk about pronouns and their gender identity and all that garbage, couldn't you trust some of them? Shouldn't you trust some of them to be armed in case something awful happens? Most of them will never have to do it. You sit there and you go, this is horrible. It seems to happen all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. And if you take into consideration the tens of thousands of schools across the country, it barely ever happens. But the media makes it sound, because it's ratings, makes it sound as though it's coming after you next. It could be you next. It's probably going to be you next. You need to do something. There's ratings in terror. There's ratings in fear. There's votes in terror. There's votes in fear. There's nothing or not much in reality. There's not much in solving a problem. You can't promise to solve a problem you've already solved. Or what have you pass your so-called solution to the problem and it doesn't solve the problem because most of these so-called solutions won't solve the problem what do you do then you'd much rather have the issue to talk about on the left than do anything about it that would work or wouldn't work both for the same reasons now whenever you have a situation where something awful happens you're going to have awful people come out and try to exploit it for themselves. And one of the worst is Senator Chris Murphy. I don't I don't know whether or not Chris Murphy is sincere. I just know that Chris Murphy isn't consistent. Not that he changes his tune or anything, but if this is the great cause of his life, gun control, first of all, he would one, be able to point to somewhere where it works in the country, okay? We just had a horrible attack up in New York where they have red flag laws, they have all sorts of gun control, and this guy, they say, slipped through the cracks. It's because if your polit- political leadership doesn't actually take the, the issue seriously, except for how it can help them advance other things, they're not going to actually enforce the law. They're not going to do anything about it. But Chris Murphy would be able to point to, hey, you know what? It's nearly impossible to get a firearm in the city of Baltimore. It's nearly impossible to get a firearm in the city of Chicago. There are no gun stores whatsoever inside the city of Chicago. And it's utopia, right? Law-abiding citizens cannot own weapons, really. They can, but it's wildly difficult, not le- you know, legally, to do so. So they don't. They don't try. You make it cost prohibitive to the residents of the city. When Oprah was living in the city, I bet you she, well, she had armed security with her. That was different. She could afford to pay and jump through any hoops that the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois put up to to make other people not be able to do what Oprah was able to do. But the average person who lives on the south side of Chicago can't afford 
Well, as a $500 application fee, you got to pay $300 for a background check. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then there's a tax on top of it for the weapon. You got to buy the weapon. You got to buy the, and you get to the point where it's like $2,000 for you to purchase a weapon. That is gun control by proxy. It hasn't worked out. Why? Because the law abiding said, well, I can't afford that. And they, they are defenseless. They are defenseless. The criminal goes, I don't really care. I know it's illegal to go to Wisconsin to buy a gun on the streets and bring it back or buy a gun, whatever, and bring it back to Chicago. I know it's illegal, but I'm a drug dealer. I'm already engaged in illegal activity. You add to that the the knowledge that those drug dealers have. The drug dealers probably wouldn't be able to uh, have a deep discussion about the great works of philosophy or literature in their lives. They wouldn't be able to give you a breakdown of some of the greatest art portrait, the portraits ever painted, or they couldn't tell you anything about history. But they're pretty well versed when it comes to law that impacts them directly, not corporate law, but they'll know that, look, yes, possession of a firearm is a felony and uh, blah, blah, blah. But the odds of you being prosecuted are about 1%. So go ahead and do it. As long as you're not actually shooting somebody, you're just caught with the gun, the odds of you being charged with the gun, sure, you could face 10 years or whatever it is if you're caught with the gun. But you're more than likely going to have that charge tossed down in a plea bargain, and you'll end up getting six months because you had you know eight pounds of heroin on you or whatever it is. So the consequences, they know the consequences. They can do risk-reward and decide the risk is well worth the reward. The reward being if somebody steps to you, you can shoot at them. If they start shooting at you, you can defend yourself. The law-abiding can't because the Democrats have made it nearly impossible to. Chris Murphy is one of them. Chris Murphy wants to, Democrat Connecticut senator, he wants to make you pay for the evil acts of others. You were not in Texas, Uvalde, Texas, yesterday. You were not in Buffalo, New York, last week. You were not in Laguna Woods, California, a week ago. The forgotten shooting. You were not in this New York City subway. New York City, you know, somebody was just assassinated on the New York City subway the other day. But because the the victim, I believe, was white, certainly wasn't black, and the assailant was black, the manhunt, it's not a story. What about the mass shooting at the subway? The assailant, again, was black. That one memory hold, right away, gone. Joe Biden didn't even make a trip up there. You'd think he would have. Democrats were upset. You'd think the Democrat in chief would have gone up to console them. He didn't. He didn't care. Chris Murphy didn't go off about that. Chris Murphy doesn't go off about If he did, the media didn't cover it. And Chris Murphy isn't bringing it up anymore. Instead, he's out there now because he sees this. It's the wait. Is this a big enough tragedy? Is it the right kind of tragedy? Can this tragedy help me? And Chris Murphy has decided it can. So he's been making the rounds on CNN and MSNBC today. I don't think he's been on Fox. He might have been on Fox. I doubt it, though. If he does, he'll do Fox during the day. He won't have a discussion with anybody who actually uh, you know, is a, a Second Amendment defender. He would never go on Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is an, an avid outdoorsman, as they say. So he would never go anywhere near that. He'll be too busy talking to Rachel Maddow, and I'm sure she'll do a special show tonight. And he'll be too busy talking to Chris Hayes and all these people. But listen to Chris Murphy on CNN this morning. Forget all the politics. This man swears an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And from this short clip, it is abundantly clear that he has no idea or understanding about the Constitution of the United States. As you know, the, the conservative majority on this Supreme Court is very skeptical of gun regulations. Are you confident that any new potential legislation passed by Congress would survive court challenge? 
Um, I, I am, um, but I don't know for how long. I, mean, I certainly do worry that this Supreme Court may eventually decide that the Second Amendment, which really is originally about the regulation of militias, is, is absolute and that government can't pass any regulations on gun ownership. First of all, the question Jim Shudo asked is loaded. They're, they're, they're skeptical of gun. No, they are in favor of the Constitution. Left out of all this discussion, by the way, by all of these idiots, is the Constitution, it's the, the difference, the Constitution is a living document. The Constitution is a living document. No, the Constitution is a static document that can be amended. Okay, right there in the Constitution, they explain how to amend it. If you don't like how this works or you need something else, amend it, change it. The living document thing is a way to just bypass all of that and say, well, <laughs> constitutional amendment's kind of tough to do. Yeah, because it's expanding power of the federal government. This country is founded and predicated upon a distrust of government power and a trust in the individual to know what's best for themselves. But if you can't convince enough people, you just say, well, it doesn't, we don't really have to convince anybody. We can just say that hidden in the text, in the preamble to the Constitution, says general welfare, that could open to anything. Well, the founding fathers were very specific about their word choices. They didn't just go, well, just write it however, however it sounds, just write it so it sounds good. Write it any way you want. They weren't lazy with their language. They were deliberate with their language. So when it comes to the Second Amendment there, Chris, Senator Chris, it is, uh, it's not that they just said, oh, well, we'll just sort of throw this in there. He says that the militia, it's about a militia, the Second Amendment. I'm going to read you the Second Amendment and see if you think this is about a militia exclusively. It says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay. It does mention militia, but it takes a special kind of stupid to think that that was about the militia. A well-regulated militia being necessary to, secu to the security of a free state. Okay, there's your well-regulated militia. That was because at the time we didn't have a standing army. That was because at the time we had, you know, any time at any point we could have, we kind of expected England to come back and try and get us again, or maybe France to get up and come after us, except for they started cutting off their own heads. We had to be prepared to be able to call up people, a well-regulated militia, not a standing army. But the key part is the right of the people to keep and bear arms, the people. The founding fathers were not lazy in their word choice. They labored over every single bit of it. The right of the people to keep and bear arms. If Chris Dodd is, or if uh, Chris Murphy were right, the founding fathers would have said simply the right of the members of that militia to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's not what they said. The right of the people to keep and bear arms. The people, that matters. You can dislike it all you want, but it's not going to change it not going to change it at all. You want to change it, you're free to amend the Constitution. If you want to argue that the Founding Fathers made a mistake, it is irrelevant. It is in the Constitution. You can sign a contract for a million dollars a year, and then you, after you sign it, you look at it and say, wait, it's only $100,000 a year. Oops, somebody forgot a zero. Well, that contract needs to be amended. You can't all just go, well, agree, disagree, we're good. That contract needs to be amended. You want to change the Constitution? Try to change the Constitution. You simply can't will it to be different because you don't like it. So you got the, the crowd of people who want to ignore the Constitution, the Chris Murphys of the world. Or, oh, no, 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 the Second Amendment's about militias. Not about militias, but, uh, you know, when you don't really care and you don't really give a damn, why well, would you give a damn? Then you've got somebody who really doesn't give a damn. This is uh, Steve Kerr. I'm not picking on Steve Kerr because I hate basketball, although I do hate basketball. I am picking on Steve Kerr because he is a public figure. He's a, a shining example. He is one of those people who has never seen a left-wing cause he won't shut up about, right? 
He won't shut up about it. He can't can't help himself. No matter what it is, he's ready. He's a a man of the left. He's dedicated to the to leftism, to progressivism, and he won't stop. Can't stop talking about it. Weirdly, when the NBA had problems with well, when somebody for the Dallas Mavericks supported the idea of freedom in Hong Kong, Steve Kerr didn't have a whole lot to say. Steve Kerr is quick to attack the United States of America, a country which has made him rich, even though, you know, if it was based on ability or intelligence, certainly he would be begging for a sandwich right now. But he hates the United States because he's a man of the left. The progressive left despises individual freedom because they look at it and they go, this isn't I know how everybody else should be better. And I want the power to make everybody do what I know they should do. They're not like if you've ever seen the Lego movie. They're a lot like President Business. <laughs> he didn't like, he wanted everybody to follow the instructions. And he wanted to use the craggle, the crazy glue, to hold every Lego piece in place because so many of those Lego pieces and Lego people were building things that were strange to him that he didn't understand, he didn't like. It's not according to what the box, what's on the box. He didn't like it. That's who the the, um, the left is. That's what Steve Kerr is. He's a man of the left. So I want to start off with uh, Steve Kerr talking about the shootings now, today. At a press conference yesterday, he went off. It's a longer clip. I didn't, uh, I didn't get the whole clip because, honestly, I don't care what some jackass from a California basketball team guy making millions of dollars a year thinks about things. His life is insulated. He lives his life, I would guess, in a gated community. He certainly works in a gated and an armed and protected environment. He has the luxury of not being impacted by what he wants to happen to everybody else. He doesn't seem to understand that. He's Like I said, he's not particularly bright. But he had some thoughts about those evil, dastardly Republicans who he blames, which is also another reason why he can go straight to hell, about the shooting yesterday down in Uvalde, Texas. Since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here. And a, and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. Are you going to do it? They went to a school. They didn't pass this bill. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do what I want. Do what I want. Would anything in the piece of legislation you're talking about have made a difference yesterday? Would it have done anything to prevent... What was going... No. No, it wouldn't have. No, it wouldn't have. But it doesn't matter. He doesn't care. Liberals don't care. They don't think. They don't... They feel. Period. End of story. But forgive me if I don't uh, take Steve Kerr seriously on these matters. Steve Kerr, back in 2020, in the wake of the death of George Floyd, he appeared at a rally to get police out of schools in Oakland. 
in which he he really sort of exposed himself. See, he's a, a white guy in charge of a bunch of black guys. And the NBA is overwhelmingly black. Steve Kerr is overwhelmingly white. Steve Kerr gives away the game in this clip. It's something to behold, honestly. He says that white people need to reimagine how black people live. And so you want to talk about some white savior complex stuff here. Listen to Steve Kerr from 2020. I'm here really for, for one reason. And that's because these last couple of weeks, especially, but over the past few years, uh, I think there's been a real reckoning for much of America, especially for white America, that we have to reimagine the way black communities are, are living. And we have to reimagine our support of black community. We've got to do what? Excuse me, what? You don't get to tell anybody else how to live. Oh, no, no, you're, that's the mindset of a progressive, though. You're living wrong. You're li- Listen to me. Let me tell you what to do. I'm smarter than you are, okay? Let me, I'm smarter than you are. Let me tell you what to do. Here's what you do. That's insane. That is why if a Republican, had, if Ted Cruz had come out and said, what we got to do is we got to have the black community, we got to reimagine how the black community lives. Everybody would uh, fall over themselves screaming, calling him a racist. They would. You know they would. But Steve Kerr, good liberal, you have probably never heard this. That's from June 24th, 2022, from the uh, NBC Bay Area, NBCBayArea.com. While the NBA mulls over when basketball season can safely begin, Warriors coach Steve Kerr says he's using his free time to learn about racial issues. And on Tuesday, he put his words into action. God, the media is terrible. Kerr on Tuesday joined students and parents in Oakland who are calling for the school district to eliminate its police force. Why? Why? Have they been shooting students? No, no, they haven't. Oakland has got a lot of crime, a lot of murder, but you know what? We got to make sure the schools are vulnerable, according to Steve Kerr, according to Democrats. For a man who is used to hearing thousands of Warriors fans screaming at the top of their lungs, this introduction was different. First, a healthy glob of antibacterial gel to sanitize the microphone. Second, this was no basketball court. It was a demonstration in the heart of East Oakland. <sighs> it's a special, it's a real reckoning for much of America, especially white America, the white guy said. Get rid of the police from the schools. Okay. Now, yesterday, we need to do something to protect the schools. Well, I have a suggestion, Steve Kerr. We don't listen to Steve Kerr. We don't listen to liberals. They're all over the map. When you don't actually have any core beliefs, you can say anything you want. You can say anything with no consequence. With not, if nothing matters, then you just say anything because the ultimate objective is power and power only. So while you've got these lefties insisting, well, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. I don't care what happens. And then you expose their hypocrisy of a Steve Kerr. I just, I don't get it. We've got to get police out of this. Why are we doing more to protect children? Get the, of course, the best way to protect children is to leave them completely vulnerable and get the police out of schools. Idiots. You've got all these other people out there just desperate. Desperate, they see an opportunity. In tragedy, they see opportunity. And boy, how do they lick their lips at it? The way that uh, so many of these groomers look at uh, a confused five-year-old is just a blank canvas going, oh, the things we could do. David Pluff, he was Barack Obama's campaign manager in the re-election bid, and he was the uh, advisor to Joe, he was a presidential advisor to Barack Obama in 2008. He tweeted out yesterday, quote, I suspect it would be good politics, but that's secondary to the actual need. Carve out the filibuster to pass sensible gun laws, enshrine row and protect elections. The filibuster can still live, but children, women and our democracy don't have to die. It's the only path. It is the only path. See, that's the way the left describes everything. Remember when they get upset about Donald Trump? He's upsetting the norms. Don't you get it? Donald Trump is upsetting the norms. 
Oh, yeah, the George Wentz of the world? No, that's not the norms you mean. It was, he's saying mean things on Twitter. He is not fighting in political terms by the Marcus of Queensbury rules. He is not referring to Democrats as the loyal opposition. He's not talking to the people who say that he is Hitler reincarnated as though they are people worthy of embrace. Well, Joe Biden refers to half the country as Bull Connor, as Nazis, as horrible people. He does so regularly. He just does. And now you got the Democrats out there. Again, they see an opportunity and they can smell it. Mm, they can smell it like Hunter Biden can smell crack being smoked within a you know any three-county area. And so they say that the filibuster must be, it's a carb. And I love how they do this. We don't, all right, we won't get rid of the filibuster. We'll just carve out exceptions for what we want. Oh, really? Yeah, no, for gun control, we'll say the filibuster doesn't apply. For abortion, we'll say the filibuster doesn't apply. And then to federalize the elections, we'll say the filibuster doesn't apply. It's great. Now, that may sound absurd, and it is absurd from a, just a practical standpoint. If your child behaved this way, you'd probably spank them, and you likely should. But you have to recognize that the United States Senate sets its own rules. They can do this. They could, if they could get Demo if they get all fifty Democrats to agree to do this, this will be done. Even if it's just on one of these issues, it will be done. That's how the Senate rules work. You can't say, "Well, they broke the rules. We're going to go to court," and the courts won't touch it with a with a ten foot pole. The House sets its own rules. The Senate sets its own rules. There was never before was this was the House allowing voting by proxy, meaning you don't have to be there. You can stay at home. You can vote from bed and you can call up a friend of yours and say, will you when you go to vote today, will you vote on my behalf? Now, there's a lot of members of Congress. They don't really do all. Each member of Congress individually doesn't do all that much. Very few of them do unless you're a committee chairman. You don't really get to do too much in way of legislation and crafting legislation. Your main bragging points for when you run for, re run for re-election is I voted for this or I oppose that or whatever, and I have a 100% voting record. A 100% voting record means you showed up every day and you did your job. It's great, I guess. be nice if you showed up less, but that's beside the point. It's I have a 100% voting record. I showed up every time. Because if somebody's voting 75% of the time, you'd look at that and you go, what the hell are you missing 25%? You, you don't do that much. You got to vote. And you're, you're missing 25% of your votes? What the hell? It'd be pretty easy to beat somebody like that. So when you don't have a whole lot to brag on, you say, I voted 100% of the time. And you'll see members in the House of Representatives scrambling to get to the floor in the 15-minute window to cast a vote so they can keep their 100% voting thing. Well, now they say Nancy Pelosi said so you can vote by proxy. So you don't have to. There is, you can be as lazy as you want to be. Look, you're going to be there already. Why don't you just vote on my behalf? And then I get the credit for it, and I'll still be laying in bed. They change the rules all the time to suit whatever their needs happen to be at any given moment. So the idea that they couldn't carve out the filibuster, they could. It would be a disaster. It would be the same thing as getting rid of the filibuster in general for everything. And the next time Republicans come into office, it's just like when they got rid of the, when they ex exercised the nuclear option under Harry Reid to ch change the appointment, uh, the filibuster for federal judges and for political appointees. They did everything except the Supreme Court. Republicans said, you do this, and there's no reason to even have it for the Supreme Court. The only reason they didn't do the Supreme Court is because there was no Supreme Court nominee at the time. So they could say, we didn't do it for the Supreme Court, but they would have had anybody been there. So then Republicans came in and said, well, you, you're going to filibuster the Supreme Court. We told you what we were going to do, you idiots. And they did it. Democrats had no rational argument against it. So if Democrats do these carve-outs, then for whatever, all right, you're going to carve out for gun control. Guess what? Republicans take back government, all of it in 2024. They do a carve-out for nationwide concealed carry. Why? Why not? 
Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they? Why couldn't they? All right, you can do a carve-out in Roe uh, for uh, enshrining Roe v. Wade into federal law. You can do a carve-out on the filibuster to get rid of Roe v. Wade in, in federal law, too. Boom, boom, wild swings back and forth in government, in laws, in, in the way we conduct ourselves. This is why state control is so important. States can do what they want. The federal government shouldn't be doing whatever the hell they want. The Constitution is written expressly to make sure that the federal government doesn't do all that much to begin with. And the same goes for so-called voting rights. You want to federalize elections? All right. Republicans just defederalized elections. What? You can't do that. Yeah, they can. Do anything you want. If you have these exceptions, once you start making exceptions, there is no reason to ever continue with exceptions or to ever not continue with exceptions. Why wouldn't you? So I don't think Democrats want to go. I would say that Democrats didn't think this through, but they did think this through. They don't really give a damn. They're hoping that the federal election laws would be uh, there to forever keep them in power. It will allow them to cheat a hell of a lot easier. That's really why they hate the Georgia laws, is they make cheating harder. It's not by accident. It's by design. So, yeah, David Pluff, oh, we can just do a carve-out. Just do a, just an exception. Once you breach the concept, man, it's game on. They don't think past the weekend. Anyway, we are out of time for today, ladies and gentlemen. I do appreciate the use of your ears. Try and get outside. Supposed to be nice weather, at least here on the East Coast. Go and enjoy it. Be back here tomorrow. Thank you for listening.